Well, amen. You know, I, uh, the setting this morning takes me back to, to a couple different times in my life. One, got 10 people in a room and I'm preaching to a camera. It reminds me of my seminary classes and preaching. Or two, it reminds me of COVID. Uh, one of those two, uh, but no, this is uh, so thankful that we can at least be with you in your homes or driving, wherever it is you're at this morning. So thankful for this team being here today as well. Um, again, my name is Jonathan, the pastor here at FBC Enid. If you're just joining us, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 as we continue in this series that we have been in. And uh, I just want to give just a quick recap um, over these last few weeks. Um, we have seen that as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, the Lord is calling and commanding us to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. So again, just as kind of a recap as we've been walking in this book of Philippians, we are to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. We're to live as one. We're to live with unflinching and unconditional loyalty to Jesus in any circumstance, in any conversation, or in any condition. And so earlier on in the book, Paul talked about his stuff. Now, as we've seen, he has switched to talk about their stuff, specifically the people at this city called Philippi. And remember, Paul's readers, although they continue to support Paul, who is currently, as he's writing this letter, in prison, even though they continue to support him via their partnership in the gospel movement through prayer and financial gifts, despite that support, they are poor, they're persecuted, and petrified at what is happening to Paul and at what might happen to them. So they also, like Paul, are in dark circumstances. And based off Paul's words, it appears that they feel perhaps alone in the darkness or maybe are beginning to feel a little bit of despair in the darkness. And all of this has potentially led them to the brink of derision and division among them. We don't quite know what that division is, but we will see Paul address it here today. But Paul is calling and commanding them just as the Lord is with us by saying, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Despite what you're going through, despite the circumstances and the conversations or the conditions, we are to live a certain manner of life. We're to conduct ourselves in such a way that we prove ourselves worthy to bear the name Jesus follower. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, when it comes to our manner of life, Paul uses military-type language and imagery. Because remember, Philippi was full of retired Roman military and their families. So he uses this language to reveal to us how we must live together as Jesus followers. And he lays out three things for us under that umbrella. We are to stand as one, like soldiers in battle. We're to stand as one. We are to strive as one, to push ahead as one, to struggle as one. And we are to suffer as one. This is the manner of life we are to live. And by doing so, we will live as that united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. By doing so, we will live as one. We will live with unflinching and unconditional loyalty to Jesus and to his people in any circumstance, conversation, or condition. So proving ourselves worthy to bear the name Jesus follower. 
And as we progress along the book, Paul continues to expand on what this looks like, and he really begins to peel back the layers to this trail of thought. And what we saw that, or from there we saw that in the moments of our days and weeks and months and years, in the little pockets of space, always we are to, in humility, count others more significant than ourselves. In humility, we must consider others' interests, or another translation is their circumstances or conditions above and before, or in addition to at least, our very own. And from there, we're to serve them and lay down our lives for them. Because, as Paul reminds us, that's how Jesus lived. If we want to so prove ourselves to be his followers, we will and must do likewise. And all of this begins with a mindset. Living like this, everything we're talking about here, it begins with your mindset. We're to have this same mindset among ourselves. In other words, we are to live the mindset of Jesus together. That's why Paul later will say to set your minds on things above. We are to live the mindset of Jesus together and We are to live that mindset without grumbling and griping among yourselves. We're to live that mindset without grumbling and griping. As we will see today, we will ultimately come to know that we must choose a unified disposition or a unified spirit of gratitude and gladness over grumbling and griping. By doing so, we, the church, the community of Christ, will shine like stars in a dark world. Hence today's title, Shine Like Stars. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 18. If you have your Bibles, turn there now. Um, If you don't, that's okay. You'll see the words here on the screen. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, After writing all these things, therefore, considering all this, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, again, he's in prison as he's writing this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue in your obedience and continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God... Who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So do everything, no matter what it is you're doing, do everything without grumbling or arguing or griping. Verse 15, so that you may become or may be or may continue blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky or like lights in the sky. Verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then if you do this, then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, Paul writes, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. Again, he's in prison writing this. 
And he says it on their behalf, but he says, man, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. Verse 18, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, we live in a world of grumblers and gripers. Social media alone would tell you that. The comment section under that restaurant or hotel or product or Airbnb will tell you that. The customer service desk at fill-in-the-blank store will tell you that. An election year will tell you that. We live in a world of grumblers and gripers. An article published a few years back quoted Will Bowen in his book, A Complaint-Free World, where Bowen says that the average person complains 15 to 30 times a day. My coffee's too hot. My coffee's too cold. This restaurant's too noisy. No, it's too, it's too dark. It's too bright. It's too slow. Their ice cream machine is always broken. Traffic is too heavy. That car is too slow. That car is too fast. The music's too loud. Man, he preaches too long. Man, he preaches too short. The weather's too cold. No, it's too hot. No, it's too wet. No, wait a second. It's too dry. She always says this. He always does that. They never do this. They never do that. We live in a world of grumblers and gripers, and we're all guilty of it. And collectively, our grumbling and griping culture looks something like this. Collectively, our grumbling and griping culture looks something like this. If you don't believe me, get on social media Go to the store, watch what happens next year in an election year. And such grumbling and griping leads to negative conclusions or negative consequences. For example, consider the negative effects of continual grumbling and griping on the physical body. A 1996 Stanford study revealed that grumbling and griping or being grumbled and griped to for 30 minutes or more can physically damage the brain, which will damage your mind, which will damage your body, which will damage your behavior. According to other sources, not only is continual grumbling and griping terrible for your brain, it's also bad for your overall health. The source goes on to say that when we grumble or gripe, the hormone cortisol is released into the body, which is also responsible for our flight or fight or flight response. So when our fight or flight response is activated, our brain redirects blood, oxygen, and energy away from non-essential systems. So repeated grumbling and griping results in cortisol being released in higher levels, putting us more at risk of developing heart disease, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, and strokes. One study published in the Archives of General Psychiatry found that on average, optimists tend to live longer than pessimists, those grumblers and gripers. Optimists were found to have a 55% lower risk of death across all causes and were 23% less likely to die of heart disease. So grumbling and griping has negative conclusions or negative consequences physically, but also Spiritually, just for a moment, consider 
Just a few of the grumblers and the gripers we come across in scriptures. Specifically, those who grumbled and griped not to God, but at God. For example, Adam. Well, it was that woman that you gave to me. That's the reason for this. It's really your fault. Cain. Well, my gift was better. Or, well, this is my reason. Or that's my reason. You're just being unfair. Joseph's brothers. Well, we, we're, we're more important and, and, and better. Or, or we were poorly mistreated compared to Joseph. So what other choice do we have but to throw him in a pit or sell him into slavery? The Israelites in the wilderness. Well, we're tired of quail and manna and fumbling about in the wilderness. We were better off back in the good old days. The religious, religious leaders in Jesus' day. Come on, we're important and significant and loyal. We've kept the law. How dare you, Jesus? You're being unfair. Such a disposition of grumbling and grippling deeply hurt these individuals' relationships with God. Because grumbling and griping at God is produced out of an anger against God. Which when we hand ourselves over to that, it leads to derision towards God and division with God. It leads to spiritual discontentedness with maybe who you are, where you are, or what you're doing, or what you are capable of doing. It can lead to a spiritual disdain for God, thereby causing us to not obey, but to disobey and turn away. So we're going to have negative conclusions or consequences physically and spiritually, but also grumbling and griping. And this is ultimately Paul's point in this context to bring it back to the passage. It has negative conclusions and consequences relationally. Such grumbling and griping, this disposition, it leads to derision and division among us. Just consider our culture for a moment. We will visit an entertainment center or place or establishment. We'll go to a restaurant. We'll buy a product. We'll hire a company. And from there, if for whatever reason we are forced to be anything on any level, if we are forced to be anything other than satisfied, entertained, happy, full, content, then we will what? Grumble and gripe, which leads to derision and division. People never visit that place again. It's, off my, it's on my never-go-to list. They'll post a nasty review. They'll just return the product and just go and choose a different one, or go to a different brand, or they'll go to a different business, or they'll quit a job to go to the other company. They will leave a town. They will turn on a loved one, stop talking to a relative, or perhaps even abandon a church. So now, while this is true of the culture of the world, Paul's point is, especially with readers who are no doubt struggling with this, his point is, don't let it be true of us. Again, we said a couple weeks ago that we must know that God has called us out of the world to still be in the world, but no longer of the world. He even says here, you've been obeying, so in essence, continue in that obedience. 
to the calling and command on our lives to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. Continue in that obedience. But also we're to continue, he says, working out our salvation. And we ask, okay, Paul, what does that mean? Well, Paul does not mean that you are to work for your salvation. This is not a works-based salvation thing here. There's nothing you can do to work for your salvation. It's all of God, all of Jesus and his work. It's as one source said, what Paul says is work out your salvation, not work at your salvation. The source goes on to say that they are not working at a problem that must somehow be solved and which implies the outcome is in doubt. They are saved in Christ. They belong to Christ. They are, however, working out a problem, which suggests that it is being resolved and will be resolved. It's also important to know that he's not talking about your individual salvation in Jesus in this particular context. When he says work out your salvation, the your is plural. He's writing to the community of believers in Philippi. As one person said, Paul understands salvation here as corporately. Salvation involves one's individual reconciliation with God, being reconciled to God, yes, but also one's reconciliation with others, specifically with the community of Jesus, his church, his bride. And we need to work that salvation out with fear and trembling, being reconciled to one another until completion. So meaning, as the source says, the grace you have received is to be actualized. It should become fruitful in our lives and in our relationships. As another source says, work out what God in his grace has worked in. So God works in us. He works among us, Paul says, his community of believers, his church, his city on a hill, his salt of the earth. And, what's he, and what he is trying to accomplish, his purpose in and through our community is unity. What he's seeking to work out is unity in every circumstance, in every conversation, or in any condition. And that in this, we would shine like stars in a dark world. Now, when Paul says, don't grumble and don't argue, he's not saying that there aren't justified complaints. He's not saying that there aren't justified disagreements or that there aren't justified moments of anger. In Galatians, we see Paul and Peter have these kind of disagreements. He's not saying that there won't be these things among our community or the relationships within our community or that there won't be times in which we must complain or want to complain to God. But what he's ultimately getting at is that it's all about how we approach God and one another amidst such circumstances in our community. So in all circumstances, don't grumble and gripe. Instead, here's our main point, instead choose a unified spirit or disposition of gratitude and gladness over grumbling and griping. Even if, like Paul, your lives are being poured out like a drink offering. Even in dark circumstances, choose together this disposition of gratitude and gladness. By doing so, you will shine like stars in this dark world that seems to know only grumbling and griping, derision and division. 
couple of weeks ago, we were in Branson. We tend to do this every year, but we were in Branson, and we went to Silver Dollar City to help kick off the Christmas spirit, if you will. And so we go to Silver Dollar City. If you've never been there during Christmas time, this, in essence, is what it looks like. Um, this is the tree um, as you come into the park that you see, uh, and, and you notice there is lights all on um, the, the trees surrounding the big tree, but also on the buildings all throughout the park. Um, I think I just lost it here. Let's go back here. I think I might have lost it. That's okay. You guys might see that. You might not. Um, but anyways, they have lights everywhere um, on the trees, on the buildings. Um, they're just all over the park. Um, and what sticks out to you, especially, and you know this if you've been to Silver Dollar City around Christmas time, what sticks out to you when you walk into the park in the middle of the dark trees and a dark sky, what catches your eye, what mesmerizes you, what humbles you, what fills you with joy, with the spirit of gladness and gratefulness are the lights. They shine in the darkness. In the same way the stars shine in the night sky. They stand in contrast to the darkness. So Paul is saying, listen, that's how you're to be. That's how the church is to be. In every circumstance, in every conversation, in every condition, we are to shine like stars in the night sky. Because listen, we live in a warped and twisted, crooked and corrupt, he calls it, We live in a warped and twisted, crooked and corrupt, bent out of position, culture and world. One that is participating in corrupt practices. So as a result, there's disloyalty. There's distrust. People are grumbling and griping, producing only derision and division. But God calls us and commands us to live a different way. To live in such a way that we stand in contrast to the darkness. To live in such a way that when they hear about us, or they walk among us, or they enter our gathering, that what catches their eyes, what mesmerizes them, what humbles them are the lights. God calls and commands us to live a different way. To live the mindset of Jesus. And as we live it, do so without grumbling and griping, without derision or division, being reconciled with one another. So proving ourselves, as he says, blameless and pure. So proving ourselves blameless and pure among this world, innocent and without a mixture of evil, that means, like a glass of water without any impurities, or like a pure, clear diamond. And not only proving ourselves blameless and pure, but then you will shine like stars in a dark world. Remember, we've been called out of the world to still be in the world, but no longer of the world. We're to shine like stars in the night sky. And how do we do that? By choosing a unified disposition of gratitude and gladness over grumbling and griping. By choosing, as he would tell the Thessalonians, by choosing in every circumstance to give thanks. And even as he says here, to rejoice always. You say, well, why? Because whereas grumbling and griping lead to division, gratitude and gladness together lead to unity. And that's God's purpose, to bring unity among our community. 
And because whereas grumbling and griping together lead to darkness, gratitude and gladness together lead to light. A unified disposition of gratitude and gladness over grumbling and griping leads us to shine like stars in a dark world. And if you would do this, Paul says, like parents to their children before a Thanksgiving gathering with extended family and friends, if you would just live this way, then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So choose the mindset of Christ. Rejoice, be glad, be grateful always, just even as Paul says, just as I am, despite my darkness. Now this past Thursday, Thanksgiving, many of you gathered around tables, you gathered with friends or family, you gave thanks and you broke bread together, but also here at the church, man, I witnessed so many people, over a hundred people, so many servants, some who were behind the scenes, some who were up front in the scenes, some who had big jobs, some who had little jobs, but all these servants who were lovers of God and lovers of people just serving. 899 meals were served on Thursday. And I never heard any grumbling, any griping. Just a united people who were choosing gratitude and gratefulness over grumbling and griping. And the impact it had on countless individuals and families and the community, only God really knows. Truly, All these servants, like stars in the night sky they were. In essence, what Paul is saying is, let that be true of us. Not just one day out of the year. Not just one week out of the year. Not just for an hour on a Sunday morning. But always. Every day, every circumstance, every conversation, every condition. Let us choose a unified disposition of gratitude and gladness over grumbling and graping. Let us shine like stars in the night sky. It doesn't mean that there won't be justified complaints or justified disagreements or justified moments of anger among us. But what it means is how we approach one another, how we approach God amidst such circumstances. Let us be reconciled to God, but also reconciled to one another. Don't grumble and gripe. Be grateful and full of gladness. Give thanks together. Be unified in this. By doing so, we will shine like stars in the night sky. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for who we are in Christ. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us together would continue in obedience, in humility, counting others more significant than ourselves, considering other people's conditions and circumstances, in addition to or above even our own. Help us to live as one. Help us to live with loyalty to you and to your people. Help us to live the mindset of Jesus in every circumstance or conversation or condition every day. Help us to serve one another and to lay down our lives for one another. And help us to do it without grumbling or griping. Help us to instead have a spirit of gratefulness and gladness. Help us to rejoice. Help us to be thankful for who we are in Christ and what you have in store for those who love you. So help us to work out that salvation with fear and trembling, being reconciled to you, 
but also to one another until it's full completion. Your purpose is unity among us. That's why Jesus prayed that we would be perfectly one as you and he and the Spirit are perfectly one. Help us to have that perfect unity among this community. By doing so, that people would see that we are like stars in the night sky, that it would bring them to humility, to the understanding and to the acknowledgement that we are saved and belong to you and they are outside of you and need you. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this community of believers. I thank you for each person who's been able to join us here live, but also maybe who's joining us later on. And I pray that in our hearts and minds, you continue to work in us, conforming us more and more from one degree of glory to another, more and more to the image of Jesus. But Father, we look ahead to, to the day of Christ, to the revealing of your Son. As John says, we don't know what we will be like, but we know in that moment we will be like him. And we thank you for that and that glory that we look at ahead to. But Lord, in the meantime, help us to live as a unified people who are choosing gratitude and gladness over grumbling and griping, who are truly living as one in Christ and for Christ, all to your glory. Bless each person and family here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you need to make a decision um, or God is working on your heart and mind, you have a prayer request, you you need to reach out and talk to somebody, um, connect with us this week. Um, Maybe via social media, call the church office. Um, You can come by or connect with us next week. Um, But so thankful that you joined us here today. Um, Again, if you're a guest with us, visit fbcenid.com. Fill out that online connect card. Um, Or if you have a tithe or offering that you would like to um, bring to the church office this week, you can mail it in, you can give it online as well. Um, We greatly appreciate your faithful giving in that. Um, But man, we hope you have a blessed, safe day. If you need anything, reach out to us. Um, But we will see you later on this week. Have a good day.